Hey everyone, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. Welcome to spring, right? It's a beautiful time here in St. Louis. I hope everyone's out there creating amazing things. Uh, it is a very inspiring time to be around this town. Uh, a lot of good things going on. And of course, I wanted to give a shout out to Antidote, uh, another wonderful podcast laid down by the wonderful people at Antidote. So I appreciate their partnership and support of the Creative Stick Up. This week on the cast, Jen and I are happy to welcome our good friend, Chris Aguirre. He of the recoveryrevolution.com. If you don't know Chris, he was a uh, creative around town. Lots of you have worked with him. A uh, hell of a designer, great conceptual uh, creative director, and he is now in charge of one of the top 10 recovery magazines around the world. Um, I've got a link below, so check it out. It is beautiful work. Jen and I both share a passion for this subject. Uh, I do a podcast with Chris every week, and we talk a lot about creativity um, and recovery and interview a lot of people in that space. So enjoy our conversation with Chris Aguirre. Social anxiety is not introvert. You can be an introvert and not be socially anxious. And you've got both. Yes. I have both. Okay. I don't know how you became a creative, right? But you did. Somehow yeah. you found your way to be creative. Did this... Do you want to save it for the podcast or are we recording? We're podcasting. Oh, we are? We're podcasting, yeah. Oh, I didn't know we were already recording. Yeah. Just how we did <laughs> That's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, go ahead then. Ask your question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I won't stop. Start I was going to say, save it for the podcast. Oh yeah, we are talking about it. So yeah. you, uh, you, we we're just sort of talking about being in- introvert, yeah. social anxiety, and I wonder. You know, I've known you for a long time, but it seems like in the creative field, yeah. there's extroverts and introverts. And I wonder how that played into just you starting. How you found maybe as a designer, maybe that's where designers go. Maybe I'm curious. I mean, there's certainly a lot of time spent by yourself, you know, noodling and doodling and <laughs> right. sketching and yeah. Um, yeah, and that was a huge part of it when I started. I mean, I. I don't know if I say it anymore. I used to like to say like I was I began my career when I was like 17 and I sold my first logo yeah. to um, the guy that cut my hair. <laughs> I, did, I did this and I did this rip off of uh, Nagel. Okay. You know, yeah. Patrick Nagel. Yeah. yeah. Nagel, this, the guy like, that did the, the Duran Duran cover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Rio cover. Okay. And he may have done us, but. Um, so you're 17. You're like, I love this stuff. Yeah. And, and I was yeah, trying to be a. You know, designer. Like, yeah. as I just graduated. I graduated at seventeen. That summer is when I started thinking, "This is what I want to do." Okay. And uh, and so I did this ripoff of a Nagel character. And uh, and are you drawing? You know, with I'm drawing. Yeah. I was drawing. Okay. Like, I mean, I used to draw a lot before yeah. computers. But anyway, and spiky type, and I don't remember the salon's name. And he had it done in like a four by five stained glass. <laughs> Framed piece that he hung. It was beautiful. I mean, wow. it, was, I, it was it was incredibly. Um, uh, what is this in St. Louis? No, it was in Olympia, Washington. Okay, incredibly rewarding as a designer at seventeen yeah. to have your work. <laughs> I had no Stained idea. Glass window. Like it certainly gave me this overinflated <laughs> sense of wow, be worth and a sense of the possibility. But so I you mean, Mark Chagall, yeah. man, right when you're yeah <laughs> seventeen. But awesome. when I started, I mean, yeah, it was just a, me, a kid alone, you know, being a designer. Yeah. And it's easy to be an introvert and socially anxious in that regard. Yeah. Were you through that, through high school? 
Like, do you, do you ever remember? I mean, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah totally. no, I was socially anxious. Oh, oh yeah. And I've always been an yeah. introvert and socially anxious. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it manifests itself in different ways at different times. Sometimes it's one or both are stronger than others. Mm-hmm. But the only time it really came into place to jump forward way down at the end of my career, um, those things, is when you know, I started working at an agency yeah. where we met. Did you consider the end of your career? <laughs> It's oh the, yeah, the end of yeah. his career is a, Honestly, as a designer. I felt you know I was a, a yeah. money making graphic designer from that moment on, from seventeen on. Yeah, like I designed shit and I made money, you know. And so I always consider my, that was my profession. Yeah, you know there were there were you know there were more lucrative times and there were you know more fallow times. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, when I started an agency and just surrounded by hundreds of, um, for the most part, what I put to my introvert yeah. sensibilities and, and social anxiety sensibilities were extroverts. <laughs> there were a lot of fucking extroverts. Um, because, you know, it's basically a big playground at that point. Certainly yeah. during that heyday at that agency. Yeah. It was, um, you know, it's, 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 I'm distilling it to, an unfair essence, maybe, but it was like a big drunken playground is what it felt like at times. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't always drunk working, but, you know, there was, that was, to, I didn't know anything about bars at where you worked, and that was a thing, and, you know, yeah. I, was, I was 30 feet away from a bar at all times. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, then it definitely came into play then, and, you know, introverts and particularly socially anxious people have all sorts of defenses they put up, and I put up a um, surly front that's how you dealt with it yeah Yeah. just you know sort of scowling front uh you know even though i would be glad to suffer fools that i didn't suffer fools gladly kind of thing so you might as well not come at me with yeah any of that i think i think that's i mean that's what in the inside i felt like i was yeah doing that um and who knows what the perception was was that to protect your ability to be creative was I have to keep a hard shell on the outside because otherwise people will drain my energy or it had nothing to do with the creative part actually that was okay. purely with my social anxiety and my and it's just pure self-preservation mm-hmm. is what comes into play I mean, it's definitely a, a sort of fight or flight thing and since mm-hmm. I couldn't run away <laughs> you know I put up a thing like I will fight you yeah um not literally but you know yeah I wonder if a lot of creatives because there's a lot of surly creatives out there mm-hmm. and I wonder if a lot of it is be based on something like that if yours was much deeper than well there's a lot of insecurity with creatives too absolutely I mean, well yeah it's it's cut you know you yeah. got to be better than yeah you were in a competitive yeah. agency yeah. with a lot of talent yeah you yeah. yourself out there every yeah. day and have clients tear down your work and, and that's not to say I was it was an you know I was Without, you know, friends or, or you know, yeah. or collaborators, and there's certainly plenty of that. Um, but no, when, when sort of push comes to shove, that's, you know, the socially anxious really does put up a fight or flight yeah. or, or, or is presented with a fight or flight reaction. A lot of times it's sort of fight in some form or other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, come on in. Sorry, kids. Okay. See, that one's a slid down. Or Mike can hear this, but see, we could. Sorry. You heard it. You're like, oh, there's something wrong. Yeah. Oh, can you hear me? 
Hey, up there. Check. Can you hear? One, two. Right there. Okay. It's all me if you want to. Okay. Oh, no, oh. you're fine, Chris. <laughs> I just did, did. It's all me. All right. This is so fancy. We record mine at home in a little office with... Uh, with three microphones that three sometimes microphones. work. It's cozy. And we have to like, right. yeah, there's no. Reminder to self, edit right there. Okay. Sorry, guys. So where did you where did you train? Do you have formal training as a graphic designer? Um, like, or just kind of figure this out? You're kind of. You're a rock and roll kid doing rave kid. Like, where what are you? Uh, what's, I, I mean, what's going on? Uh, punk rock, new wave. Um, were the early influences? Yeah. Just that those uh, that those aesthetics, those sensibilities. Um, but I mean, I grew up with. I'd say creative parents. You know, my yeah. mom's always been a writer. Mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes for podcast <laughs> listeners, um, and that's not to diminish my mom's writing ability. I'm just saying she's not like writing novels. She's right. not a journalist, but she's a writer, and she's a good writer. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dad's always been an artist and so those two things were always informing me as their passions yeah um if not you know certainly weren't wasn't their careers um and those two things sort of took hold from a very early age and um you know my freshman year at college i think i took i don't know like a drawing class or something and in english you know english was where i was kind of headed i don't know um, but as far as formal training, it took me a, a roundabout way. Let, let, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. When I've gone to five colleges. I have no degree. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I probably, you're bouncing around. You're like, hey, yeah. wait a minute. And I probably don't have enough credits like for a year if right. I went back to it. And it's not, I'm not going back. Um, <laughs> just to be but, clear. Um, and, but no, I mean, I, I went to, um, University of Washington, which had a terrific, graphic design program with some phenomenal teachers and I did learn a lot but um, ultimately sabotage I've sabotaged myself at every school I've been to um, I sabotaged myself there but that's not to say I didn't learn anything um, and then I went to Parsons um, Paris campus again phenomenal school phenomenal teachers phenomenal opportunity but then I ultimately sabotaged um, that from an academic okay. Not drinking and drugging yet. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. No, every sabotage is drinking and drugging sabotage. <laughs> At some point, um, all that plays. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, no, it, it played as literally the day I graduated high school is when that came into play. Um, okay. So, somehow I had the, the, I don't know. It wasn't force. The, that's the self-possession to mm-hmm. not drink or drug in high school. Okay. And literally the night of graduation is so when it started. And it started on. like, yeah, it was on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but that was, that was an education question you had. So training. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, I got some training from great people. Um, I apologize. I can't remember any of their names, okay. but, um, and uh, to them, I guess, if they're listening. <laughs> hey, I know Chris Curry. <laughs> he was in my class. Yeah. He didn't mention me. Um, <laughs> But no, uh, you know, I, I learned some things. I'm not like, entirely self-taught, but yeah. definitely like, I think, I mean, there are a lot of designers and creatives that are incredibly passionate about design and creative in whatever form writing that probably do as much self-education, you know, when they dive in yeah. to, you know, because you, you, 
you know, if it's that deep passion, it takes hold of you and you, you just go all in, whether yeah. it's, it's visual reference or, or, you know, the written word, whatever, but you, you just, you know, and I did, I, I dove Don't into all those things and just devoured, you know, my influences. And which, and, uh, so I'd love to talk about your influences, but I'd also love to talk about, you know, you start using, yeah, right? Drugs and, and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And you... This you, this is pre-agency or pre-like agency job, but you have this stretch where you're designing and doing something and yeah. using. Right. You're kind of diving right. in to all of this yeah. and becoming this addict, right? Right. And so I'm curious how that all worked together. I, uh, I think like, it worked great at the time. <laughs> um, you know, I was just thinking about it the other day. that, And, you know, full disclosure, Jeff and I yep. – do another podcast where we talk about uh, uh, recovery, recovery, if that's fair. Oh yeah, that, um, that's fair to, to mention. And so we we talk about this a lot. The the relationship between drugs, alcohol, and creativity, and yes. it's undeniably there. Yes. Um, and I would say, with in my experience, I was you know during those times, in, I had different like peaks throughout that time of being incredibly prolific. Um to my mind in terms of how creative I am now versus then. I was thinking about this because you have to be careful, and I know we talk about this a lot on our on our, our other podcast. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. Drugs and alcohol aren't necessary for the creative process. Yeah. But I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't have – I didn't produce – in, in the spectrum of the quality of work I've produced, I didn't produce some exceptionally good stuff during those periods. Yes. Um, during that period. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's true. I think in one of the first classes that made me realize that I had a problem was a class called Creativity, Drugs, and Alcohol in yeah. college, which is exactly what this explored, the relationship between creative people and drugs and alcohol. Right. You see a lot of it. But it's interesting because we've, we've interviewed a lot of people and I think the conclusion at it, when it's all said and done, is it's not sustainable business right. model. And mm-hmm. people have their most creative, a lot of people get mm-hmm. sober and then become really creative, mm-hmm. right? But there's something about the perspectives that it changes. There's some truth to it, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily consider myself a creative person, like in the, in the mm. advertising and traditional um, marketing yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... I have had, you know, when I was a drinker, um, mm. I would, uh, when I got happy and buzzy, that yeah. made me a little more creative. <laughs> and then when mm. I got too wasted, it made me sad and mm. lonely and, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. So yeah. there's a, there's definitely a moment yeah. in drinking. Yes. There's a, there's um, a moment. Yeah. And I didn't do a lot of the, um, the drugs, oh. the traditional like hallucinogenic mm. drugs. So I can't, uh. Can't I can't say that. that what whether I was creative, yeah, mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. But um, I think there, I think the um, the idea is that your mind loosens up under mm-hmm. yeah. um, conditions mm-hmm. where there's a drug or alcohol that's introduced mm-hmm. um, to expand your whatever yeah. horizons. But open the doors of your perceptions. Yeah, but I don't. Um, I think that there are lots and lots of other ways to do that. Absolutely. In, in sober do you, life. Do you look back at your work? I mean, do you have a do you have work saved from that era and you look back and think, wow, that's something you can't you can see where the idea came from or right. something that's so trippy that you're you would not get there today, but just it's not weird shit. trippy. And I think, you know, it, it's it's the loosening of inhibitions, not 
only in that sometimes those inhibitions are just that you're not capable of something or you're not good enough or yeah. it's, you know, it's an imposter syndrome or something, right? Those yeah. are the things that yeah. alcohol or drugs can take those away yes. where you're just, you know, in a sense, let, letting it, letting yeah. go. It's an easy way to and, get into the flow. Of into the flow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, there's work. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I used to paint and absolutely like there's yeah. work that I wish I was capable of now that I just don't feel like I am. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I am. I, I haven't tried, so that's not fair, but, um, you know, and just ideas and, and, and concepts that I can get to other ideas now and I can get to better, maybe better ideas now, but just things that I'm like, I just wouldn't, I, I don't have a good, good answer. I mean, that, that I wouldn't come up with, yeah, what yeah. I feel like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, more from a visual creative standpoint. But, um, uh, so at some point, the alcohol and drugs don't work anymore. Because I don't. I think I met you when you were sober. We've worked together for right. at least fifteen summer years. I've like known you that long, and you were not using when I knew you. No, I think so, I had about a year. Yeah. Okay. Or so. Okay. So yeah. you got your first agency job, real job, right. after all this, right? Correct. Yeah. And you hadn't had a real job, not. No, I hadn't had a real job. Yeah. <laughs> when I, you, I had, before when that. you were using, just what was I doing? Trotting and I was. Uh, I was going to school. I was. I was. Doing um, Mook jobs, mm-hmm. you know, I, I managed uh, high tech copy. I was a, like a supervisor, co manager of high tech copy down on. Oh, like actually, high tech copy. Yeah. yeah, not just a high tech. No, place. no, just a copy shop. <laughs> on Big Ben. Um, what's that? Was it on Big? On Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. Is that where it's on? Yeah, yeah Big Ben in um, Forest Park. Yeah, I was there for years. Wow, just a few <laughs> years, like three, I mean, two or three years or something. I think. I cannot I'm terrible at time. Okay. But, uh, and, uh, yeah, some, a, a series of muck jobs. I, you know, I can't even think of all of them, but, uh. So you were not making, I mean, you were not in this game. It, it took you getting sober to get. Not in it like this, but I was you were designing all kinds of shit, freelance and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Ripping off Nagel. Yeah. That, that was my very first. I sort of, <laughs> I've, you know. Since it's probably actually been been an arc, like where I've, I've ripped off, and then I, I I internalized my influences enough that I could do original yeah. sort of work where you could see the influence, but it wasn't direct. Yeah, like Nagel might as well have done that piece that I did. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. What were what when you? What were some of your influences, just name wise, artist wise, and then I'd love. To hear it like mentors once you got into the game, because you had a a personality of someone who had the defenses up, and mm-hmm. I wonder if you had it, real mentors working at agencies where you're like people that you worked for or worked with that really influenced your work, or if you sort of found this on your own, found your groove on your own. From from a work standpoint, I don't know that. Well, for influences as a, as a designer and a writer, yeah. I mean, yeah. there was one one influence in particular that, above all, and it's their influence. I mean, designers were public um, from a graphic design standpoint from mm-hmm. the UK. Um, were just incredibly influential with their, you know, British meets Tokyo, you know, London meets Tokyo yeah. sort of vibe going on that, uh, you know, to this day, they're an influence. And like, I mean, you can see them in a brand like Superdry, this yes. global brand Superdry. It's like they, their brand wouldn't exist without Designers Republic from a branding standpoint. But um, 
They were huge. Yeah. And, then, but as far, and as far as writing, I, I couldn't tell you from early days, but, you know, in later years, like I only ever wanted to write like David Foster Wallace. But, yeah. you know, every, yeah. I think everybody of a certain age wants to write like David Foster Wallace. Yeah. Um, did you know you were a good – did they allow you to be a writer? Because you, you're one of the better writers. If not, it's funny because I'm the copywriter. Chris is the art director, but Chris is a much better writer, I think, in some ways. But it's just like, so you're one of those guys that can think and design and do it all. But, but did they let you? Did you knew you were going to do that? Or how I, did you start uh, doing it? I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that there were these divisions. When I came into the agency world, I thought <laughs> I used to, not not in a, in a dismissive or, or, or derogatory way, I used to call like the account side the salespeople. Yeah. And because that was my experience is you had a product and you sold it. And yeah. those were the businesses I knew from growing up. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't realize that there were – I mean I got that we had writers and we had designers. But I didn't realize that there was such a divide. And yeah. there could be at times. I mean I, just, I remember being yelled at by writers just – you know, just put the words I fucking wrote in there, you know, because I'm trying to rewrite it yeah. or, you know, not completely throw it out the window. But yeah. like well, this would kind of sound better if we did this. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but there was it, well, then, when I got in there, it was like there's writers and designers. And it's so bizarre to think you, of that today. And, and somehow a designer couldn't write. couldn't write. Right. Yeah. It was it was and a writer couldn't draw a sketch and say, how about try this? Right. It was just that was that was a really odd to me that yeah. you weren't allowed to think with more than one because yeah. um, when we both of us worked at agencies that did had few writers and tons of art directors right. they were, right. you know what I'm saying right. it wasn't the traditional advertising because it was teams. promotions mostly, it was promotion right? Right. yeah so I guess there was just tons of stuff to design and mm-hmm. headline co- anyway yeah you had like table tents and shelf talkers to get out the door right don't remind us of that that's not fair (laughs) but we always fancied ourselves you know that we were yeah much better much much or more than that not yeah um i think that's true in a lot of agencies though that there's more visual designers than there are writers but good writers i think are harder to find I agree. We are really hard to find. Yeah. We are we share little precious gems and if you find us dot, you should dot, treat dot. us well. Oh, sorry. Well, oh. <laughs> well the audience for this is St. Louis, right? Yeah. I mean there's it can be equally hard to find. True. It's good. Yeah. Designers are you going to stand up for great your design graphic designers? Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, I meant that too. <laughs> Very hard. But uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, so that was that was strange to me that that you weren't supposed to yeah, think in two disciplines at yeah. the same time because to me they were inseparable. Yeah, um, you had to think. Yeah, you know the, the the thought process they weren't separated. You know, it was it was the same thing at the same time. So early on, when you say, "Do they allow you?" Um, yeah. I guess they certainly tried their best not to. Yeah, and and probably succeeded, and I fell in line, and you know just designed for a while, but I always sort of bristled at that because, uh, you know, I, I was capable of thought and I was capable of, of expressing those thoughts. Yeah. And so ultimately it got to a point where I think, um, you know, I just didn't wait to be allowed to, to do things. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Just started doing them. Just started doing them. So at some point you, you, the agency life. Yeah becomes intolerable or you you take a turn for the worse or i may have become intolerable <laughs> i think i think it was both something um, happened yeah no i mean i i definitely i think um i think uh 
You know, Asian stuff was great. Yeah. I, I owe a lot to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I certainly, I think at a certain point I let the accolades I was receiving maybe inform my behavior. Try not to say go to my head. Um, and that... How so? Give us an example. Um, I think if you get told often enough that you're awesome, then you begin to expect everybody to immediately treat you like you're awesome mm-hmm. um, and not have to prove yourself. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I may have gotten what intolerable <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah. And, and you knew me then and you know me now. And, I did. I knew did you, you kick um, over a chair or No, a I, was, I was not that. Guy, I was just, uh, I was the immovable object that the irresistible forces would come to meet. Mm. And, um, and I, I get it. That's frustrating. You know, I have a, I have a seven-year-old now, and, yeah. and she is the, the immovable object that my irresistible. <laughs> just obstinate, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so instead of fight, it was flight at this point, right? Get out. Well, yeah, no, I mean, at a certain point, I, I was at this agency where Jeff and I had met. And can we say agencies? Sure. I mean, we, we were at Zipatoni yeah. back in the day. Zipatoni. Yep. Zip. Um, and uh, it had gone through its heyday. And I'm, I, you know, I was there for its hiring explosion spree down through <clears throat> its, its heyday, through its being sold, being sold, yeah. through its slow decline and just something else and uh and uh i think i'm not sure what happened like some of the people you know jeff had left early on and um one of my main you know partners we'd been through some changes there and and he had ultimately left um and uh and i think i thought what I needed was the greener grass on the other side of the fence. I needed to get out of there because whatever it was that was upsetting me, which ultimately proved to be myself <laughs> um, about it, um, you know, I, I jumped and the grass wasn't necessarily greener for me. It was just different grass. Yes. And I was still sort of this miserable me. And I became more miserable at that agency momentum Yeah. Um, because it wasn't, my normal, uh, you know, everything I knew about agency was different now and I didn't have all my normal fallbacks and I could, yeah. you know, everybody didn't, wasn't familiar with my behavior. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just got surly and unmanageable and my manager had to <laughs> let me go. And that person was. That was me. That was Jeff. Oh. Um, I Chris. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Right, rightfully so. Yeah. But what's interesting is... Yeah, I can't even remember the, what the circumstances were, but it was... Well, I think I was... I'll, I'll be honest. I okay. think I was making too much money and doing too little. <laughs> Maybe that was Because it. I came in and I... I That's probably I was, generally, right? I think it's... When I was making... He's going into contraction. It's like you're looking at all this stuff. Well, I was making more than I had any right to, yeah. I think, for what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and what's interesting is about that, though, is because you called me and I think, you know, you're trying to do me a solid of not having to come in and be fired and walk back out. I yeah, guess. yeah. And you, you, just, you called me that morning as I'm literally walking out the door to get in the car. 
And, uh, and my wife said, she was looking at me. She goes, one side of your mouth was smiling and one side was frowning. Oh. And it's like, because I was, yeah, I, I would never quit. But I think I was, I knew that I needed to like yeah. be done. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That's funny. And you know, just to explain how agency layoffs work when you're in leadership positions, they come to you with a new budget number to right. for salaries, and, you know, and you've been through this. Yeah. So it's like all of a sudden you're a creative person as mm. I was. And at this time at Momentum, we were on the declining side mm. for lots of different reasons. Um, so this was probably round three or round four having to do yeah. this. Yes. So, yeah. And at some point it's like, oh, but anyway, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's the reality of the business, though. It is, yeah. It is. yeah. You lose an account, you lose a bunch of people, you Just gain for, an yeah, account, you yeah. start staffing up. But anyway, yeah, so anyway, it's it's funny in hindsight. And then you took – so you get you get let go, mm. right? And, and I and I, I think we – I don't know if we kept in touch. We sort of did. I mean, we I sort did, of did. Yeah. And you had – you found yourself again, kind of yeah. got – had a kid, life changes, <laughs> right? right? And you yeah. start – Doing the baby girl labs thing, and that's what I right. about your daughter, which was beautiful stuff right. and really what, interesting. What was that? Well, I, you know, I had this skill set yeah. developed over decades. Yeah, of, you know, of the writing, the design, mm-hmm. and I, I genuinely enjoy doing both of those things. That's yeah. I get I I get energy from do, doing those things together. Yeah, are really powerful for me, and uh, so I think I started doing. Because not long after I got laid off, yeah. we decided to have a kid and got pregnant. Yeah. And it was yeah. pretty hot on the heels. Of, of, I, I don't know. Most people wouldn't make sense, think it makes sense. Like, hey, you got laid off. Let's have a kid. Right. Like, perfect. But we did. You're, you're sitting around the house yeah. with nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> hey. And, uh, so, <laughs> and so I applied that. I became a daddy, briefly a daddy blogger yeah. of some small note <laughs> and uh, started this thing called Baby Girl Labs, which was all about, you know, my the the imminent yeah. birth of my daughter and I was doing you know just yeah. applying all those skills to you know and these. all all the mommies out there were reading Chris's daddy blog going, oh he's so sensitive why did he there because Chris found his sensitive side with the kid right right well right. and all the and dads too I mean I was totally. like oh, yeah. in that in dads that, read it too and they liked it yeah no there's a thing there was there's yeah. a moment when like stay at home dads were a thing yeah is before, that um, moment over before introverts is that moment over well no I think they they they. I think there's still most stay-at-home dads, but I think when it was becoming recognizable that there were so many of them, that it was it was happening, you know, as I think a moment in the economy when you know they're they're getting laid off and their wives are still at work and yeah. they're having kids. I think I was a, a, just a statistic, you know, I was just uh, yeah, you know, a cliche at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were like time cover stories on it and stuff. I think I don't know, but. Um, but yeah, so that's where I was applying those skills to Baby Girl Labs, and then uh, and doing some freelance. Yeah, you know, was Baby Girl Labs products or <laughs> it was? Well, I mean, it was supposed to be someday, okay. but it ultimately just that it always starts off with. It, Chris is. It's funny because most when you do a pitch, you know, you want three or four roots from different people, and you have a writer, art director, working on arts. Chris could come up with the whole thing by himself. They just the concept. So. And that's what this was. Right. And then the next thing you do, and I don't know if there was something in the middle, but that's what, where we're at, is this recovery revolution right. site that uh, has taken off. And I, the background to that's interesting because it's kind of involves an advertising story. You've, you you were sober for a long time. 
there's this moment in time where it just kind of intersects with watching one of our friends right. go back out and try right. it again. And yeah, you have this idea. That. Yeah. Well, when you, uh, yeah. And when you and I met, so I, I, I feel like I rem- remember early on somehow talking about the culture at, at Zipatoni and somehow I said, I don't drink. And you said, I don't either. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. We went into a lot, in a lot more depth then. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I knew you didn't. And then, uh, yeah. So, um, um, baby girl labs, I just, I ended, it was going to be, you know, like you said, you know, clothes and products and stuff. I don't know what it was going to be, but, um, I lost interest. So, it, and, but, uh, and then at a certain point, yeah, we had had a friend, um, who was going through some challenges. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had friends and family members, actually, that were a couple of friends and a, and a, a family member, a couple of family members <laughs> that were having uh, issues issues yep. with drugs and alcohol. And I was frustrated by my inability to really do anything despite my experience, which is all I have. I, I'm not an AA uh, attendee. And I don't even have the words to, I never know what to call somebody that goes to yeah. AA. Um, but, uh, and so I, I was frustrated that I, I didn't really seem to be able to do anything to help. But, and, you know, uh, so I, I thought I, I want to use the skill set I have, again, the writing and the graphic design to do something for anyone, to put mm-hmm. what I, you know, put what I have out there. And so that's where um, this thing that started as clean and sober, KLEN and SOBR, Dot com then morphed to uh, the recovery revolution is now back to cleanandsober.com. Um, oh, that's is what, it? It is? Well, it is, but okay. you can get to it through okay. <laughs> any I, number I of things. Since right now. Since right now, it'll get you there, too. That's <laughs> yeah. the podcast. Um, but, yeah, so I started this thing without really, you know, I thought my other problem is sort of procrastination, imposter syndrome, and, you know, I, I – when I look and I see that there's somebody else in the space, I'm like, ah, oh, somebody's already doing it, and I'll just not do an idea. Kind of, that's typically how I act. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's already doing it or somebody's doing it really well. If somebody's doing it really well, then I'm like, well, I might as well not even try. Right. Um, but uh, we're, we're all kind of like that. That's a funny. Yeah. That's a funny trait. But, but I'm I'm terrible at that because I do yeah. that to other people's ideas too. Like they'll say, what about if we did this? And I'll be like, eh, somebody's already doing it. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Uh, but anyway, um, so I thought if I don't just start, I won't start. So I just uh, started about three years ago. And, you know. Did three, you start with a podcast or I started a, with a site? Or a what site. You... I started with the site, a, okay. a site that I was going to post my story and solicit other people's stories, which I've since, you know, very quickly found out is the the currency. It's the the bedrock of what, if you're going to do something in the recovery field, everybody's soliciting everybody else's story. Yeah. Um, and so I just started quickly moving to differentiate what I was doing and, and getting other work. You know, I've had, you know, addiction and recovery, um, single panel cartoons. I've had uh, strips. I've had, you know, poetry. I've had photography. I've had, you know, all these different um, create creativity is where is where it ultimately sort of came back around to is like creatives in recovery and sort of helping support the notion that um, you don't need to be drinking or drugging to be creative. Right. And uh, so that's been a big part of it. 
Um, but then back early on, it was pretty soon after starting the site, I realized that, um, you know, podcasting since then has really blown up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know what made me decide to do a podcast, but I recorded the first episode. Again, thinking if I don't do it, if I don't just start, I'm not going to do it. So I just I realized I didn't have any equipment. I got out my iPhone and the white earbuds and recorded episode zero, mm-hmm. um, basically introducing myself and uh, saying I hope the next episode I have a co-host. And that would, and I mentioned that I'm gonna, I was going to ask a friend of mine, that mm-hmm. being you. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've been doing it for three years. And then we've been doing it for almost three years. It'll be three years in... uh, Yeah, like... Like a hundred and change, like 120 or something. Yeah, we've missed a few here and there, but... um, Yeah. So, yeah, but with the site... So, at some point, this thing kind of takes off. Like, it's a top 10 recovery Mm -hmm. site across the country. It's pretty well known. It it has become... International. International. Mm -hmm. It's got... People all over the world that are involved in this thing, and so tell me. I mean, I know you've had different visions for this. It's it's kind of becoming now more of a magazine format, or but there's tons yeah. of content. So many yeah. people doing podcasts for it. Yeah. People writing stories. You've published a book. Yeah, I um, forgot about that. You might publish more books. Right. Um, you've got contributors from everywhere. You've yeah. interviewed the best, you know, memoirists and right. anyone in the who's who in recovery, space. sort of who's who in recovery has been stopping on short of like that of celebrities, which yeah. has always been sort of a, a not what I'm interested in. You're not the okay yeah, Bradley Cooper's not yeah not or the shit. Brad Pitts Brad or the, Pitt. yeah. although Brad Pitt's gonna play one of us in the movie. Oh well, yeah, Brad Pitt's gonna play one of us. Matt, ben Affleck's ben gonna Affleck. play me and. Somebody else. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Who, who is Charlie Sheen going to play? That's what I want to know. Uh, is he finally? He's still the guy that's still out there, Charlie Sheen. So anyway, but yeah, this this recovery revolution, and the, I think that it's interesting. So because recovery in general, talk about a brand that it came at the right time where this opioid, not at the right time, but being less anonymous, your vision mm. for this site and the world's mood on recovery mm. kind of came together. Uh, being in recovery was always a thing that you f- hid, right. didn't talk about, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, forever. Right. Yeah. Anonymous. It's Alcohol. anonymous. It's anonymous. And there's a re- there's a great reason for that. Right. But we sort of crossed into the, that reason becoming not so much important anymore right. because it's been around for so long. Yeah, so, because how do you help people yeah. if you're right. in the dark all the time? Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I mean, I've always, digital storytelling. But, and I learned a, I've learned a lot about that. In the past three years, because yeah. I didn't have a lot of yeah, you knowledge. Didn't really know. Just anything. by knowing you, I didn't have yeah. a lot of knowledge about Alcoholics Anonymous, and I just didn't know any better because I don't care who knows. You know, yeah. I was very open about it um, when I was, you know, in agency life. I was mm-hmm. I don't drink. Yeah. And, um, and uh, but yeah, recovery has had a moment in this notion of recovering out loud has become uh, a bigger deal. And so, yeah, in a sense, I, I was catching a wave that was sort of building mm-hmm. um, with uh, the, rec- on the online recovery community, which, um, you know, I've met, I'm doing air quotes again, podcast people, um, so many people in the past, more, f- significantly more people in the past three years than I met in the past 10. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that I feel like I know fairly well. And, um you know, it, what's interesting is, so at, at some point we, we talked about too, um, B 
being in the, the, the biz and both of us having worked on spirits while sober mm-hmm. and al- alcohol and spirits, um, you know, I think there was a certain point where I decided that I, I couldn't in good conscience do that anymore. Um, and we've had this talk and, mm-hmm. you, you know, be, I don't begrudge anyone working on spirits that's sober, you know, that, that work at all. Um, and, uh, what's interesting is of all these people, like just today I got off, I've, I've had two calls where I'm, I've gotten two recovery based jobs, yeah. just knowing people in recovery, that's awesome. um, which is pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, and I've done, I've done a lot of that work over the past three years. Like I've done, you know, at least a dozen brand brands, you know, logos and brands for people um, and their recovery efforts. I've done, you know, I published the book mm-hmm. that you mentioned um, that has a, it's a, the stories of addiction, mm-hmm. basically. It's, it's um, you know, it's fiction, um, short stories. And, uh, and so I've found all this work yeah. in the recovery using the tools I have, which is pretty yeah. gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And so the and you've kind of recently decided that you're. It's going to be. Are you trying to make it a magazine, a uh, actual physical magazine? I, I would love to make it a physical magazine. Okay, which I think is probably. I've been told it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny how graphic designers love physical mag- magazines. Oh, yeah, we do. Magazine and the rest are just like. I don't know. Yeah. That just sounds well, like a lot of work. to Elizabeth Tucker at but you Alive love it. magazine. But right. there's something about the actual print. Yeah. Like, is that what it is? It's like yeah. physical touching of it. Yeah. It's like, I got to do that. Mm. Even though everyone's like, don't do it. I think there's that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I love magazines. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a period in my life when I had like subscriptions to well over 20 magazines. Yeah. Just because I love magazines. Um, and, I, you know, I guess that that is it's it's. It's the written word and it's design when yeah. they're mm-hmm. and when they're well designed. It's just uh, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to do that. I don't know how realistic that is in the near term. Um, you know, the challenge has always been how to make this a lucrative endeavor because I don't want to make money off the backs of the people that need the help. Right. Um, you know, the the addicts and the people in recovery that come to us. Yeah. Um, so it's been trying to figure out how to get the right sponsors and also it's a whole separate issue that yeah you know rehab's a an industry that uh one bad apple does indeed spoil the whole bunch yeah yeah and so i've sort of stayed away from soliciting money from them yeah, yeah. all right well anyway it's good it's i'm excited yeah and i think i mean you've been to the site I love the site. I've yeah, always loved it. I love the design. Well, of it. Um, the content's super rich. Yeah. I love like you. I could get lost in that site, yeah. like um, clicking around, and it's just, yeah. just, it's like a, it's like a maze or something. There's always another door to go through. And that's like, in some ways, I could, I, I, I think that can turn some people off. But that's exactly what I've, I've wanted to do is like just allow all these points of entry. And realize that all of it's not going to be for everybody, but hopefully it'll be something for somebody. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And you just have kind of figured this whole thing out along. It's the been way. on the fly. It's, yeah, it's so been all, a, it's constantly fly. changing. You yeah. know, I've changed the name, I've changed the logos, I've changed the way it's designed. I've changed, and you know, some of that comes from hearing Jason was it Fre- Freed mm-hmm. of um, what is it? 
the guy the guy who created Basecamp. But anyway, I heard him talk one time, and basically, you know, he hit me to the notion of don't wait till something's done to put it out there. Put it out there and yeah. iterate on the fly. Yeah. Just keep moving it towards its best best Minimum incarnation. Product. Yeah. And um and so that's what I've done. It's just been out there and it's constantly morphing yeah. and changing. That's and that's what's uh, so amazing about a website. Like it can be anything you want it to right. be. It can be something yeah. totally different tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Well, it's, it's truly an inspirational story. And if you haven't been to the site, I'll post it, uh, all the links to it. Um, yeah. So, so you're feeling good. Did you, when you started this thing, you think you'd still be doing it three years later? No, no, I didn't. I, I didn't know. I did, that's, that's part of it too. I haven't, I never stopped to think. Yeah. About, I have never stopped to put together a plan or a direction <laughs> or a guide or where I want to be three years. I just keep going, keep doing yeah. it. And I think that's the only way I could do it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, if I stop to think about it, I'd, it gets a little overwhelming. I get overwhelmed. One yeah. day at a time, as they say. At, Oh, snap. Damn. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Okay. 